0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your
1: host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, and thank you for tuning in again. Today I have an amazing guest for you. His name is Randall Ivaro. He's a medical group administrator and principal at MedMan. He's a strong leader, successfully developing and directing highly skilled teams in support of achieving corporate objectives. Randall's a seasoned healthcare professional with a demonstrated track record of leading and developing high performance teams and directing operations in fast paced, complex medical environments. An RT by background that got into the administrative uh, aspects of healthcare. As a director, then a CEO of a hospital, he's got a wide array of, of experience from the front line to the administrative uh, C-suite, and so it's going to be a really fun conversation today to dive through some of his thoughts and uh, some of the things that he and his team are up to at Medman. So, Randall, super super grateful that uh, you joined us today. Grateful as well. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, did I leave anything out in the intro that you want to share with the listeners? I don't think you left anything out. I was a medical group administrator
0: for the last four and a half years, recently transitioned into the new role as one of the uh, principal partners for MedMan. So currently my role is the president of the group, of the company, I should say. And then I have three partners who have roles which comprise our corporate team, and we work with our extended network to facilitate the operations of medical groups all over the Northwest.
1: That's wonderful. And uh, it's not easy. Physicians get into the business to care for people, and it's hard to do all things. You can't wear all hats, and so you guys fill a, a vital role. What would you say a hot topic that needs to be on every health leader's agenda today, and how are you guys tackling it?
0: Well, for us as an organization, I think the thing that we get talked to the most about or we're discussing the most with is really this, the issue going on right now in healthcare, which is uh, that of physician ownership. And for a lot of reasons, you know, physicians being out in that space where they are, uh, and this, you know, which you certainly know, is this extraordinarily fractured health system, healthcare system that we have. Yes. You know, really, really, is driving physicians to places where they think are safe harbors. In a lot of ways, they are. When you look at health systems, uh, payers that provide physicians, you know, a lot of uh, financial security. But there's a trade-off to that. You know, physicians when they sell themselves or sell their practices, they are They are winning some things, certainly, at the expense of the things that they're losing. So in terms of what physicians need to stay independent, that's an important discussion we're having. We think that patients are ultimately best served through physicians who are making decisions about their businesses and their medical groups in a way that ultimately serves the interests of the patients. But that is, it's a difficult thing to do in the current healthcare environment with the amount of regulation, amount of uncertainty regarding reimbursements. Regulations, all the things that go into running a medical business it makes it hard for physicians. And they really question, you know, exactly what is it they're doing. They go to school for 12 years, give up 12 years of their life in a lot of ways to become trained to be physicians that take great care of people. And in spite of all that, sometimes they feel like it's just not enough. And, you know, they look for situations that help them to feel better about things. So they can either, with organizations like ours, which help run, the business side of their organization so they can practice medicine and do so competently that they're going to get paid and their staff's going to get paid, things like that. Or they move into a relationship and they're owned, which has its benefits again, but also has a lot of drawbacks for physicians that we've seen time and time again over time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so there's no doubt the number of physicians that own their own practice is shrinking. The last stat that I heard and maybe you you could gut check this one, is uh, 35%, and then it's about 65% that are now part of large systems.
0: Yeah, so that, depending on what you're quoting or referencing, I mean, probably the last that we read coming out of NGMA, the Management Group Medical Association, it's about 60% of the nation's employed on a physician basis, and that okay. number really accelerated in the early 2000s, and it slowed somewhat, but there's still a lot of consolidation occurring.
1: So 60-40. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's still a good amount of you all there. You're probably listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, last man standing or last woman standing. (laughs) And it's easy to feel like you're on an island, especially when things get tough. And so this is a a timely discussion to dive into some of the things that you could be doing. I mean, I just came back from a meeting in uh, San Francisco where I met a couple of physicians that are actually doing the opposite. They're going away from the system. And they're forming their own practice. And so the movement's happening both ways. And, um, and so I'd love to hear from you, Randall. Um, give us an example of the types of things you're doing to create results for your customers. Well, I was, I was reading an article. I think it was an HBR recently. And
0: they nailed it right on the head in terms of the order of things that physicians are concerned about. You know the first thing being their confidence in the financial stability of their practice, you know, and the outcome of that. What does that mean for them? Is it going to stay the same? There are lots of questions about that because the revenue cycle doesn't represent a black hole to most physicians in terms of their ability to understand the different pieces of that. Uh, then nothing else really is. So revenue cycle and the implications of that on a practice are a big, big deal to those independents out there who are making sure that they're staying on the path to staying independent. The management of their organization is also a big question for them, uh, something that they are very, very concerned about. And I think the quote was something over 51% of physicians, so just over half, are really concerned about whether they have the right management structure in place on the administrator side of things, not so much their board or board of directors, things like that. And then the third thing really just kind of spoke to the complexity of uh, payer contracting and credentialing those are the, the three big areas. So for us as an organization, we partner with physician groups in whatever form they they come to us. in. you know, we really begin by taking a close look at the operations of the organization from the top to the bottom, from the front office workflows to their pair contracts. And that helps to give us a pretty good indication of how the group is functioning, where the blind spots are, where the bright spots are. And Les has begun to kind of focus on priorities in those areas. You know, you couple that with a planning session for the group that helps them to get on a path that they think is the right one for them. We facilitate that conversation, but at the end of the day, it's their decisions, the place that they want to go. And then we, you know, we help facilitate the progress to that. So on the first two, certainly the the financial stability and the management side of things where we come and just give them some horsepower, uh, depending on the situation. Sometimes that's through us placing an administrator that works for us, works for MedMan, but as the permanent administrator for that clinic, or it's through, doing some project work or some consulting, as people would call it, or if we're just networking their administrator, their practice manager to our network to give that person decades of experience from all of our other administrators. So they're not making some of the same decisions reinventing the wheel, if you will, over time of the same issues over and over again, but they're learning from this broad network of people that we have engaged ourselves with. And, you know, in that way, you know, we, Service these physicians in a way that meets their needs and their budgets, and helps them to practice medicine while the rest of it gets handled by people who are, you know, experienced and engaged to do the rest.
1: No, very impactful and uh, and turnkey seems like it's uh it's customizable. Tell us a time when like a common mistake that you've seen, or even a story about a program that you implemented that maybe didn't work out, and what you learned from that that the listeners could really. Uh, gain from learning
0: so to clarify are we just specifically on as a business what's worked what hasn't or with a, a specific situation in the client setting what's yeah the,
1: you know it could be since we're focused on on primary care or, or you know physicians that are in their own practices like let's focus in on on something that you see over and over again as an area of setbacks that that these practices typically have and some tips for them to avoid them Oh very good well, I
0: set the stage for, to answer that question then. So as a company, what historically has always been the case is when physicians and their groups are most in crisis is when the phone rings from Edman, And the company has a 40-year history of working with physician groups to help them meet their business goals, medical goals, whatever the case may be. So when you look at 40 years of history where physicians have said, hey, I need help. Inevitably, someone at some point has to ask the question, why do they keep calling us when they're in trouble? What is the common common factor here that all these groups are experiencing? So to answer your question in a roundabout way, probably the, the single biggest mistake, or rephrase that, probably the biggest opportunity for physician leaders in their groups, owners, board of directors, whatever the case may be, whatever the structure is, is that it's important for them to understand the things that will be a guideposts in understanding the health of their practice in different ways. And it's pretty complicated, you know, the, you know, everything from front office workflows, to volume into the clinic, to their documentation, to their compliance programs, to their revenue cycle, their credentialing, their payer contracting, you know, the HR elements, all these things that, you know, are typically pretty invisible or pretty in the background, you know, the business side of, The practice are things that physicians. So long as someone's there to help them do what they need to do, well, I'm not going to say it's not important to them, but it, it certainly fades into the back a little bit. Yeah. So as a board, they need to understand the things that they need to be seeing and why it's important to them, and to pay attention to those things. If you, if you begin to defer decision making strategically or tactically in a practice, or if you take your eye off the wheel and you're not paying attention to the things that help you understand, your financial health as an organization, your AR, how healthy is it? Things like that. Are we collecting? Are we not? Are we billing? Are we coding correctly? What do our curves look like? All these things. Then quickly you find yourself in trouble and underwater and having trouble paying the bills. So for us, the thing that we, we see on a regular basis are folks who get distracted for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. for that. Physicians are every much a human being as the rest of us and things happen in their lives that take their eye out the ball. And for us, it's really just kind of coming back to basics with them and finding why the fundamentals, the basic block and tackling isn't working in the practice and getting it fixed.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good call out, you know, and I would even go as far as saying, Randall, that this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs. They could lose track and of AR and, and, and not really have a dashboard to see the key metrics. And before you know it, you're out of business. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no different than us as a company you know, so we're now
0: having bought the company recently from the founder of the company and all of us having at one point or another been in medical groups and running the business. We understand the importance of a good dashboard based on benchmarks that are relevant in that matter. Even more importantly, understanding those benchmarks and what they mean in the context of the business health is important. So for physicians and the folks who are running their, their businesses, it really is no different at all. I mean, they, they have to understand the data in context of what it means for them in the space that they occupy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. No, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and, you know, we talked about some of the setbacks and the, Oh wow moments. How about one of the most proud experiences you've had doing what you do? You want to share that? Well, of course. I don't know that I could call out
0: one and it's not because we're, um, and that's not to brag. It's just to say that, you know, I think as a company, what we pride ourselves in is coming into a situation and having discussions with the, you know, the shareholders, board of directors, whatever the case may be, and understanding, you know, what their burning issue is from a operations standpoint, a business standpoint, and, you know, our ability to go in and partner with them and their teams, whatever that might be in their setting, to get to the heart of that issue and then to begin to correct that and then to see, a physician or a group of physicians looks like a very visual sigh of relief that, okay, this is gonna be okay. We can fix this. And practice after practice, that we interact with, there's usually this one thing that was the tripwire to all the other things that happened in the practice. And yeah. sometimes it takes a little bit of time to ask some questions, seek some understanding, and put some action plans in place. And that really is probably the most satisfying part of what we do is helping them realize that they can be successful and they will be. They just need to stick to the path. So that's probably where we, where we draw most pride in our work is in being able to accomplish what we set out to do with them.
1: I think that's great. I mean, and I, and I just think about like, so I'm from Chicago, you know, and there's, you get the occasional real bad snow and yeah. I've been stuck in the snow. It just, no matter what you do, what you try, it seems like you can't get out. And then, uh, you know, here comes somebody to help you. And you're just like, Oh, my gosh, finally, I got out. And it's that feeling of relief and thankfulness that I think you're referring to. And every situation is different. No, it certainly is different in every situation. And we have,
0: we have some very similar situations we're working through right now with different groups who for different reasons, different times and different things have, you know, gone off course a little bit. And, you know, we've been asked if we can help and, we're always up for the job, but for the for the physician and what they're looking for to work through that issue, and sometimes it's really just a difficult and uncomfortable and frank conversation about our priorities versus what they have been. And yep. if they want to get from from uh, A to B, then these are things we got to do. Sometimes docs just want to have someone push back on them and make an argument and show. Some data as to why things are going to work the way that they should. And then they're willing to let you try and
1: yeah. to show them that they could do it, that we could do it with them. And uh, it's very rewarding in that way. That's awesome, man. Tell us about an exciting project you're focused on right there. Well,
0: you know, the, the history of MedMan, like I, I shared with you, has always been that, you know, we're a practice management company, you know, but most physician groups are not going to seek out management if they don't, one, have an issue have a crisis, or have something that's so broken they don't know how to fix. So typically, the type of uh, partners we come across are the people who are just in a bad place, a little beaten down, on the brink, if you will, and, you know, with fewer and fewer independent clinics out there, particularly, you know, in different parts of the country. The Northwest, while is a very big geographic area, it's, you know, very sparsely populated, you know, relatively speaking. So the density of independent groups is pretty spread out. It's very rural in the Northwest, in the states that we service primarily at this point. So managing practices and placing an administrator is something of a premium these days. So I think for us as new owners, the things that we think is a a big opportunity and a, a slightly different take on how we approach the work is, can we help prevent practices from getting to the place where they become in such a state that they need to be managed directly? Yeah. Maybe fix some things ahead of time. So but to do that, you have to go out and find uh, the places where the group, where the groups are. And typically those are going to be with IPAs, CINs, payer groups, things like that, where they have a lot of physicians, a lot of independent physician groups all in one spot. And then working with those networks, those payers, whatever the case may be, to provide a service where you know the groups, those groups, those networks, they know well in hand what the medical groups that they're working with need help with, and they see it on the claims side, certainly on the quality side, and the data that they track. And what they're trying to do is trying to be creative in ways to provide that horsepower to physician groups to not only one better serve their policyholders through those networks, but also to increase the quality of care, de- increase the efficacy of the care, and decrease the expense. So, if an organization like ours can be there out front with, you know, a network payer a network or a payer, someone who wants to provide some service to an organization, to a medical group, if you will, then that's kind of a space that we want to sit in. Because then we have the real impact of being in a situation to prevent the fall, to just give someone a little bit of a tune-up versus the spark causes the dumpster fire, if you will, then it's really hard to fix. But Mm -hmm. if we can partner with, with payers, with CINs, with IPAs in a way that allows them to provide the services that we would typically provide to a managed client on a one-on-one basis on a broader scale to help physicians and their groups tune things up here and there and stay above their status quo, then I think that's a good opportunity for an organization like ours and one that we're seeking out.
1: That's awesome. No, I think it's a good call out and, uh, and a good opportunity to, to approach Uh, a little more proactive rather than reactive in in, in the way that the encounters happen. So getting close to the end here, Randall, and I want to go through this with you. It's a syllabus we're going to create for the listeners, a lightning round with five questions, the one-on-one of Mr. Randall. And so I've got those questions ready for you. You ready? Sure. Let's have it. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
0: Oh, that's through people. I think... The things that we see most is there is so much potential and room for improvement in the interactions that human beings have with each other, whether that's between the patients and the front office, the front office and the back office, whatever the case may be, the ability for us to raise the caliber of discussion and interaction between individuals in these settings where we work will really help to remove a lot of inefficiency and ineffectiveness. So I think helping people to uh, get on the same page and understand and hear each other as opposed to make some assumptions about what they're thinking someone else is wanting or things like that is a big, big head start on the status quo.
1: What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
0: Well, Generally speaking, I think that the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid in these settings is to not be making assumptions about what is or what isn't happening and ask questions. So very much seeking to understand situation before seeking to have yourself be understood. So seek some clarity before you start being directive about what needs to be fixed or what needs to happen.
1: How do you stay relevant
0: despite constant change? Oh, that's through conversation. It's planting seeds. I worked with a physician here in town, great physician leader, a lot of experience, and had learned some really painful lessons in his career, a lot of which he learned from, thankfully. And I had the, I had the pleasure of working with him for a few years. And, you know, the one thing that he always talked about was planting a lot of seeds out there in the conversations that you have, because those things always bear fruit at some point. So to understand what's changing, you have to be out there talking with people who are also going to be impacted or are being impacted, or that could impact things on the decisions that they make. So find ways to be involved in the conversation and to engage. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Relationships. Probably the single most important thing that we, as the owners and as a company, are focusing on that above all other things, is probably the most important thing that we need to protect and find ways to harness are the relationships that we have and the relationships that we'd like to have.
1: What's your number one success habit?
0: Number one success habit <laughs> uh for me it's it's doing a lot of reading and a lot of talking with uh, folks who know a whole heck of a lot more than I do about a lot of different things so increasing my understanding and spending some time thinking about those things. And then, you know, trying to act on the things that make sense for us as an organization. Love it. Randall, what book would you recommend to the listeners? Oh, uh, well, I, I, think a book that I, it taught me a lot certainly as a, as a younger man and as a general idiot at the time, uh, <laughs> is probably uh, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, a lot of wisdom there and something that I've uh, very, very much uh, taken advantage of and leveraged in my professional life from a young and dumb and experienced kid right out of school to a less dumb and
1: less inexperienced uh, person I am now doing what I'm doing. The four agreements, folks. So go to outcomesrocket.health and in the search bar, type medman, M-E-D-M-A-N, or type in Randall, and uh, you'll see the show notes pop up, a transcript, links to all the things that we've discussed. It's all there, nicely packaged for you, outcomesrocket.health. And uh, Randall, this has been a great conversation. I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with or follow you.
0: Yeah, certainly. And thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I very much enjoyed it. You can always get me at randy at medman.com. Probably the easiest way to do it. We're always a first name at medman.com. So for me, it's Randy. Probably the thing I would leave people to think with is your gut has it right 90% of the time. So relative to our work, working with physicians who are uh, very much function off uh, the patterns of things that they learned and their, you know, their gestalt, their gut instincts. If you feel that there's something in your practice that just quite isn't the way that it should be, or you've just been comfortable with, don't wait, act on it. And whatever course that may be, whether it's talking to someone like us or a colleague who's been through it or been there, don't delay because those things just compound on themselves. So that would probably be the thing that I would offer.
1: Love it. Great, great advice there from Randall. And, and so again, folks, uh, appreciate you tuning in. Um, Randall really shared some great tips here on really just physicians running their own practice, things that you could do, things to avoid. If you want to learn more, go to the website, look up Randall and uh, learn some more the invitations there. So Randall, just want to say a big thanks to you and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Absolutely, Saul. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.